Welcome to Just Push Play, a music podcast. Today's guest is Tina Hutchins, author of the new book, My Goal, My Brother, Lost Boy of NXS, that was just released in the USA on October 1st. It focuses on the life of the legendary singer of NXS, as remembered by his sister. Um, and Tina, thank you so much for appearing on my show today. Oh, thank you, Sherry. Thanks for having me here. I appreciate it. So um, let's start with the basic, um, the title of the book, uh, Lost Boy of NXS. Of, of course, um, he's your brother, but um, why don't you uh, share with the listeners how uh, the title Lost Boy of NXS came to fruition? Um, I think uh, because my co-writer is Jen Jewel Brown, who is uh, known for her uh, books on poetry. So we, the whole book, uh, the, you know, and Michael was a, a, a big book reader. He just always carried a book, I say, in his suitcase and one in his hand. Um, when other people were sitting on the bus, uh, the, the tour bus, uh, listening to music and just carrying on, uh, he was sitting quietly reading a book. So the whole thing is uh, all, all the chapters basically are set up with a little bit of poetry or or something referring to uh, uh, that we have Peter Pan and Wendy and that kind of thing, uh, referring to the Lost Boys, of course. And um, so she came up with that title, and I thought it was wonderful. So I kept it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it also um, is coincidental that he uh, and the band had a song with uh, Jimmy Barnes uh, on the Lost Boys soundtrack, Good Times, which is exactly. one of my favorite songs. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's yeah. a great tie-in oh, as a, well. Oh, yeah, and Jimmy's such an incredible singer. He just belts it like nobody else, and it was interesting how their voices uh, gelled together on that. It's a wonderful track. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, agreed. So uh, being a longtime fan of Michael, uh, I pretty much rather avoided anything related to him uh, in regard to his passing, Um, you know, whether it be tabloid television or documentaries or, or books, because I didn't want my image of him being tarnished because I did not feel that what he was being portrayed as was accurate. So uh, when your book came out, I purchased it online before it was released in the U.S. and and read it voraciously. Um, And thank you so much for writing the book because it it lays it all out um, from the beginning of his life to the end. And I appreciate the the honesty and the... um, Truth, you know, everything about it I enjoyed, so. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, that, that was that was the purpose of it. I mean, I'd, I'd read such nastiness and trash, and it's true. It was from the tabloids, and, and that's part of the end of his life. The last two years was uh, just tabloid trash in the British press. That That's what it was. And, you know, that he wasn't able to handle it because of uh, a traumatic brain injury, which we didn't know about at the time. 
and uh, it just, you know, I mean, he was, he had never had uh, publicity like that before in his life. All his um, interviews were wonderful. I mean, he was a smart guy. He gave very interesting interviews. But, uh, you know, in the last two years of his life, um, the, the British press just ripped him apart. And, um, and when he died, even more so. And uh, I mean, I don't think we got as much of it over here in the U.S. And I was, uh, it was a blessing for me that I was living in California. Uh, my parents actually came over to live here for a while because they couldn't take it. And um, so, uh, yeah, this is, I really wanted to give people the sense of who he really was and, and reclaim his legacy. I mean, it was just, it was just shocking and uh and I feel I've done it now i I know that I know that he'd be pleased, and certainly our parents would be yes and and I agree with that completely now, this is a quite a different version from just the man um the publisher basically wanted you to write a a book that didn't cover what just the man uh covered uh, so i yeah, it's 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 there's not uh, uh yeah, they they wanted nothing from just a man in this. And so and and that was fine because you know, I'm I'm I it, it's written differently and that that's why I got Ginger Brown to help me because you know, she's a well she she's actually um been in uh, music journalism for many years in Australia. She really knows her business, and I I needed someone like that because I've been living over here for so long. You know, I don't know as much about Australian music as she does. So, and she was one of the first people to ever um, interview Michael way back when he was uh, probably about twenty years old. So um, it's so this this really. Um, just get so much more in depth and uh, we know so much more now. I mean, we didn't know about his traumatic brain injury when he died um, because he had kept it a secret. And um, the the interesting thing about this book is I was writing it at the same time that uh, Richard Lowenstein was uh, working on his movie. And, at the time, I was talking back and forth with him, but we weren't, I wasn't really talking about what was in the book. And it was probably about uh, two years ago we started talking about that. And we found that a lot of things that I had come up with, he had found out from talking to people and so forth. So the, the Mystify, his wonderful movie on Michael, and uh, uh, our book, uh, Michael, my brother, lost boy of an excess, really sort of mirror each other, which is wonderful. It's um, and yet we have all different stories threaded throughout. So, yeah, I, I'm very pleased about this book. Well, also the difference between uh, this book and and the previous uh, book is that uh, Just a Man was written pretty soon, uh, within weeks from his his passing, and it was rather raw. Uh, oh, ab- you're right. Absolutely. I mean, my mother and I probably shouldn't have been doing that 
when we were in such pain. You know, we were just, it was very difficult to do. But it was something that she said um, immediately after the funeral. She wanted to write a book so people would understand who he really was. And uh, I wanted, you know, I wanted to help her with her pain. And I thought it might help me too. So I jumped right into it. And, um, yeah, I really didn't interview many people on that. Not at all. Uh, we just gave, you know, basically what we knew and a couple of close people. But with with this new book, we interviewed a lot of people, very key people. And uh, so I just feel, and uh, people who had never spoken before. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, yeah, like Michelle Bennett, she'd never told any of those stories before. She'd not had anything to do with other books. And uh, she's very closed mouth. Also, um, Rosanna, uh, she's the same way. So, uh, and, and we talked to the girls because, you know, the girls hear it all. They're right there next to him. And uh, that was, the, I thought, the way to do it. Um, yeah, so... Well, do do you find that writing this book now is is very cathartic and and uh, to you personally? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Sherry, you're absolutely right with that. I, you know, it it just there's there's a certain weight off somehow. It's it's I've gotten it out there now. I feel you know all the things that I wanted to write about, all the things I want people to know um it's out there you know and i didn't hold back you know i i was no, ready for any no thank you and I, I i mean i was ready for anything that might come up um and uh you know i i really think uh that i i put across who who he was to most people you know he was just a Pretty easygoing guy and and very likable. Just one of those things. Uh, he was like that as a child, you know, very easygoing kid. And uh, so it was such a pleasure uh, to write it and and have somebody pick it up too. <laughs> <A> publisher <laughs> always helps. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. But also he was very shy growing up too. And I mean, even in his adulthood, you really only saw him change into the superstar when he got on stage, but when he got, you know, when he left the stage, he returned to his easygoing yet shy personality too. Am mm-hmm. I right? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's maybe shy is a um, kind of a heavy word, but he was quiet, you know, and he did, it t- did take him a bit to get, certainly in the beginning, when he started with In Excess, once they got out of the garage, he um, it was hard for him to face uh, the audience even. He often would sing half the song with his back to the audience. That's how <laughs> tough it was for him to be up there. So, I mean, it's hard to think of that now when you think of what he became, such a, a showman after that, you know, a great... Um, a great front man, but uh, in the very beginning it was hard and, and he wouldn't talk between um, songs. He just wanted to sing, you know. He didn't 
<laughs> so he wasn't relating to the audience. Uh, it was just all in the uh, the words, and uh, uh, he just gradually came out of that. It took him a while. <laughs> yes, yes. So um, I read in the book that you got a light bulb moment or an aha moment after you read an article written by Amy Zelmer regarding traumatic brain injury. Uh, Tell us about that. And um, is is that what uh, prompted you to uh, research the traumatic brain injury a a little bit further? Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, uh, as... uh, as you may know, or um, you know, if, if anybody here has seen Mystify, um, they will see that uh, something that that uh, Helena Christensen knew all along, but she promised him not to say anything. When he was, uh, we knew that he'd been hit uh, and fallen back. He had fallen back and um, fractured his. Skull, but we didn't know how uh, how terrible it was. We didn't. He just he didn't talk about it. He just all he talked about was losing his um, senses of taste and smell, which was a big deal for him. Somebody as sensual as Michael was, and he was, and that's why he wrote those wonderful lyrics. And he depended on um, all of his senses to write those lyrics when you look back on, on, on some of them. Um, and, uh, but he, he didn't want anybody to know that he was suffering, but I, I read this, uh, in, in Huffington Post, actually, I read this story that Amy had written. Uh, I think it was 2015. She wrote this thing and it, and it, I saw that she was talking about, um, when she she couldn't walk into crowded rooms, she couldn't even walk into a um, like a Starbucks. There were too many people there. That she would have attacks when when the lighting got strange. When she'd move, say, into another area and the lighting was strange. Uh, there were little things that she brought up that that I just I was thinking. I started thinking about Michael, and and this was all from she had fallen on the ice and hit the back of her head. And uh, it was, and she called it a, a traumatic brain injury. I'd never even heard that before. So um, I read up on it more, and uh, I spoke with Amy, and um, I just realized that that's what was going on with Michael because I I had noticed in the last maybe three years of his life he was wearing his sunglasses. Not only you know during the day outside when it was sunny, but he'd also he was using them on stage sometimes. So I realized the lighting must have been bothering him. I mean, everything she was describing—loud sounds, crowds, lighting—that uh, bothered her. Well, that was Michael's life. That was his life night after night. So I yes. realized that, yeah. So uh, what torment that must have been. And and obviously that's why he didn't tell anybody, you know, because this was his business. But it, it's very obvious. I mean, back in 
the 90s, the early 90s, when this happened to him, the doctors weren't talking about it. It wasn't described as a traumatic brain injury. It was, take some Prozac. You just need to calm down. And I knew he was on a lot of Prozac. And so uh, it just, I just, I thought I have to write about this because people constantly say things like uh, that he couldn't have taken his life. Why would he take his life? You know, um, what was, you know, he had everything. Well, he didn't have everything. Um, you know, he was having a lot of problems in London. The The press had not left him alone in two, three years. And um, in London, he was known as just the, like the worst person on earth. And so uh, he couldn't walk out of his door or anything. Well, if he'd not had that injury, he could have thought it through. He could have made sense of the whole thing. But with this kind of injury, he just couldn't make sense of things the way he used to. It takes some of that away from you. And so um, because I would say to him, what does it matter to you what they write? They're just, you know, we know that they're all jerks, those journalists. And he'd say, but it does. I don't want people thinking that I'm like that. I'm not like that. And I'd say, but your friends know you're not. Well, I don't want, I don't want fans thinking I'm like that, like I'm a jerk. And, and you know, it really, really bothered him. And he wasn't able to come to terms with it, you know. Well, what I found as a, a common thread, he, he, his uh, primary goal in life, I, I believe, is to please people, not necessarily himself, but others, in, including um, the band, his fans, his his mates, mm. you know, his family. Mm. That's, I, I, I found that to be, you know, and I also suffered from a traumatic brain injury, and I, I'm just. Um, facing that at, at this point, even though oh. it, occurred, it occurred about uh, in 2011. I was in a head-on collision, and I lost consciousness for a period of time. I, I don't even know how long, but uh, when taken to the hospital, that was the last thing on their mind. Their focus was mainly my other injuries, and so, you know, after dealing with all of that, um, you know, I am kind of uh, having a reckoning with TBI myself. So I oh, really, yes. you know, that's another reason why I appreciate the book, because it's so misunderstood. There's a certain stigma attached with it, and I'm so glad that, that um, you, shi- you know, you shined a, a spotlight on it, too. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I, it's... Uh, definitely something that well it, it's and it's a lot of people are talking about it now because of the football players and that kind of thing um but i i didn't realize that you had also had a tbi many people have many people have and they don't even know because the the doctors really aren't talking about it enough i was reading something the other day where um a doctor said his son is going through med- medical school and he was he brought the subject up to his son and his son didn't know what he was talking about. He hadn't even learned that. 
and that, and that, so there's a problem there. There's a disconnect. You know, we're we're yes. hearing new things all the time, but this is definitely um, a very serious problem, um, and uh, we all need to face it. And and uh, it, it, yeah, I know that sometimes it's sort of put down as, oh, what's that? It's a, you know, it's just some other made-up thing, but it's a definite. There are definite symptoms. And, um, yeah, I'm sorry you're going through that. That's hard. It is hard. And, and I I understand what he he and what Amy go through, too, as far as crowds. And, I mean, I was a, a music journalist for a long time and would get, go to arenas and, and stadiums. <sighs> now there, there's a different, uh, you know, I just can't imagine him facing that with all the things that that were going on in his mind at the time, you know, it it it's very garbled in in your head at, at points. So, mm. I, I just understanding what he, what torment was going through his his head at the time where he's going out to perform to again make people happy. <laughs> so, mm, yeah, you know. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, it, it must have been very difficult, and he didn't—he didn't share it with the band. I mean, he was concerned that uh, maybe they—they wouldn't—I uh, can only imagine he was concerned that they—they they wouldn't uh, trust him to write the music anymore, or he wouldn't be able to perform the same. Um, so you know, and because of this, the. You know, some of well, your personality changes. Certainly, he wasn't the easygoing Michael anymore. And I, I remember there were times when I, you know, he'd surprise me because he'd always been easygoing. Uh, you know, where do you want to eat? Fine. All of a sudden, he would uh, out of the blue, like I don't want to eat there again. I didn't like that place. He, you know, it's not. It just wasn't the same Michael. He wasn't as jovial as he'd been. Um, and, uh, right. but I couldn't put my finger on it. I, yeah. He yeah. had been short with you. And I, I believe that you had written a, a letter saying, look, what's going on here. And mm. you sat down and had a heart to heart. He called you for lunch and, and, yeah. uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. it out I, with you, so to speak. Absolutely. I went over to his hotel. Helena was, um, out doing some photographic shoots, and uh, uh, we just sat there. And 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 yes, Hashi, why would you send me a letter like this? He said, "What's wrong with you?" And I, I said, "No, you've you've sort of pulled away from the family. There's there's some kind of disconnect there. What's going on? I just, what is wrong? Are you becoming like too big for your boots? I can't imagine you've changed like this." He said, "No, I don't know what you're talking about." And um, yeah, we we thrashed it out for a couple of hours, and then, you know, then we talked about the family, and we made up. And when I was leaving, he ran into um, Helena's closet and uh, grabbed this beautiful Marc Jacobs jacket that she'd worn the day before, in a I don't know in a shoot or something, and gave it to me. She he said, "It's your birthday in a couple of days. This will look great on you." <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, but I still didn't know what it was. You know, he still he didn't sit there and say, "Well, 
I had, you know, I hit my head more than I, harder than I thought, and this this thing is wrong with me. He was just saying that, uh, no, I'm the same person. I don't know what's wrong with you. We just sort of made up. So I never got to the bottom of it then. But um, I'm glad I, I understand it now. And I think through this, you know, often when it's a celebrity, when it's somebody whose name you know had has um, has a you know affliction of some kind, it it tends to make people speak more about it, and it can help other people. So that's that was you know another reason I wanted to write the book. And and it's so. It, it's so refreshing to to read that and to have Mystify come out too, at almost the same time, and and focus on on that too, so that they, so that the audience and his fans and his loved ones understand that there there is so much more to him than just the the man on the stage, you know, or the mm. or the man depicted in tabloids. There's a real person mm. there. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. You know, we're all human. It's, um, because you tend to think of somebody like that as, as not being a part of regular people. But he was very down to earth, in fact. But um, yeah, I I think that um, that 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 is good. I I really wanted people to understand in this book. The real Michael, that he was just a kid. He, you know, loved life, was a little bit shy, um, and just found practically by accident that he had this voice. You know, I mean, I always knew he wrote poetry because he called his lyrics poetry, and uh, but I, I certainly didn't know he had a singing voice, um, so. Uh, he kind of surprised everybody, but um, <laughs> <laughs> including himself, I think. So, yeah. <laughs> well, also a constant th- thread throughout the book was that, um, you know, books were very important to him. And also he um, relied on people to read to him to calm him down, beginning with you. And then, you mm. know, and and then with Michelle Bennett, um you know, I, I found that to be uh, an ongoing process throughout his life, too. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, when when he was a little boy, I started. We, well, the, the thing is, our parents were very, very busy, both working hard and long hours. And so for the first five years of his life, I was, I was one of the parents, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, I took care of the boys until we moved to Hong Kong and then we had other people helping us. I wasn't so much in the, you know, in the hot seat anymore. Um, so, but uh, we, I always read because I loved to read anyway. And so it was easy to keep him calm. And especially when we had horrible storms in Hong Kong, you know, they have typhoons over there. It <laughs> can be scary. And um mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he learned to read too. He just, you know, I think when you do that with children, they naturally go on to read themselves. And, uh, he just, throughout his whole life, I mean, he was, he never stopped learning. He, he just had, he had the most amazing 
library in his villa in the south of France. I mean, I, I never packed anything, you know, sometimes you take a book away on vacation. Didn't have to do that. <laughs> he had an amazing library, and he'd always recommend something he'd just written as a read. And, uh, in fact, my daughter is the same. She's a, still a big reader. And uh, he, he, well, those were the days of faxes instead of texts yes. and things. And uh, so we we all had faxes, and we'd fax each other from all over the world. And uh, uh, he'd he'd send one to her saying, "I just read this, and uh, you know, you should pick it up. You you'll really like this, you know." So I've got a lot of faxes, um, thankfully that I made hard copies of because they used to the writing used to disappear with the paper that they used to use. But I made copies of many of them. And uh, he's telling her what she should be reading. Try reading this this month, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. I I would imagine that. I mean, I, you know, through reading the book, I know that he enjoyed um, food and wine and the finer things like art. But I can just guess that he probably collected a lot of. Of books, like maybe uh, rare books. <laughs> that's, that's... Yes. Yeah, he did actually. He he was always very excited if he found something like you know first edition of something. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm glad. Um, I'm glad that that um, <laughs> that my uh, wishes were were fulfilled. I, I'm glad. <laughs> and, yeah. And you know, just just with. You know his TBI and and his experience with losing taste and and smell is was rather devastating to him. You know, so I just well, uh, he was he used to cook and that probably yes. waned after that. Yes, yeah, he was he was actually a very good host. He loved having. He used to call the the villa in the south of France. He calls it. The family home. You know, he sort of took over as head of the family at some stage, and um, we would meet there for Christmases and so forth. And uh, um, I write about those in the book. They're always a lot of fun. And um, and he took pride in in, in making specific uh, you know dishes for us. And uh, he we'd all go to the supermarket and. Uh, uh, you know, just the whole family would go down, and we'd all take different baskets and figure out what what each of us was going to cook at least one night. You know, <laughs> and uh, he was. Uh, I think there's a piece of video. I don't know if it's in Mystified, but he's. Um, we're in the, um, the 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 seafood department in this. Um, in this store, and and he's telling me about what he could he's going to do with this piece of fish, and what he's going to do with that, and he'd talk about wrapping it in leaves and so forth, and you know, uh, uh, digging a hole in the ground and smoking and all this kind of thing. He loved to get into that kind. People wouldn't, I don't think, imagine <laughs> Michael. They just <laughs> assume he's just at nightclubs or something all the time. I remember at one stage he said, well, you know, I just figured out that that doing the same as last night, tonight, and every other night is, is where where is that getting me, you know? So after a while, nightclubs sort of go out the window. 
Yes. <laughs> but so the the taste and smell was very important to him because yeah, he loved to cook, you know, and uh, and he he was um, he was quite efficient when it came to fine wines, you know. He he knew wines and he it was just um, it that was pretty devastating for him, yeah. Well, what I enjoy in the book were uh, your stories regarding the holiday festivities at the villa, but also your late nights together where you would actually watch the sunrise and and go off on little adventures with each other, which are in the book, mm-hmm. which which the listeners yeah. will have to, to buy to to experience themselves. But I really, really enjoyed them. And, and you never knew who was going to show up at the villa either. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You never knew. Um... And uh, that was always very exciting. And <laughs> we did. We had some just some wonderful times there. You know, it's such a gorgeous area of the world anyway, the south of France. Um, and uh, But being in a place like a, a tiny um, village above Nice, was wonderful because uh, there there wasn't anybody bothering us, nobody trying to get into Michael's house or anything. Um, a lot of people live up there. Tina Turner used to live up there. Uh, Bono lives there. Um, it's an area that they can be assured to not be, you know, intruded upon. Um, so uh, it it was the perfect place for us because we tried having. Um, Christmases around where my mother lived on um, uh, the northeast coast of Australia and the Gold Coast um, and we had one or two over in the States but we found that anywhere we were there were still a lot of people sort of gawking at us because they'd see Michael and uh, so his place turned out to be the best it was like a compound really it had big gates and uh, there was so much wonderful stuff to see, and yeah, we we would um, he'd go out for the evening, and then I'd I'd hear the boys come home. They'd take my son with them, um, who would just be you know just he was he was in um, like uh, high school, and then he was in uh, like first year college, and you know he'd go back home, and they'd say, well, what did you do for? you know, Christmas vacation. No, I was in the south of France, you know, um, with uh, Lenny Kravitz and, you know, <laughs> no big deal. Um, so my children have had quite an, an upbringing with Uncle Michael. And, um, yeah, so, but, uh, no, I we just uh, had a wonderful time there. And uh, I'm so glad that, that at least... Even though Michael's life was fairly short, you know, all the, the the wonderful things that he got to experience, I'm so happy for that. You know, I think he he traveled to anywhere he wanted to, and, he, you know, he was able to do that. And, um, you know, that's kind of why he, he was not the marrying kind. We knew that from the start. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, which he, he always said he didn't want to be off on tour with a family at home going on tour for six months. That's not the way you have a family. So, um, 
that was not him. But uh, I'm glad he got to experience everything he did. Yes. So with the book, you're doing a, a little bit of a tour of the Northeast U.S. and, and the Midwest. Um, and some uh, mm-hmm. some of those experiences, or appearances rather, are with uh, kicks. The NXS experience. Yes. Um, how did uh-huh. you how how did you connect with them? Well, um, the uh, oh Jason, <laughs> the um, lead guitar. Um, he started writing to me, and I didn't know. He said, "Oh, I, I want you to watch. Can you watch this video? We do, you know, NXS. We're called this." And he's he kept writing to me. And I finally wrote back to you on Facebook, and I finally wrote back, and I, I told him about my book. He said, "Where can I get it?" I said, "Well, it's not here yet. It's, you know, I'll send you one." So I sent it to him. Or well, he was on there right away. You know, would you come and see us? Would you? Why didn't you come to one of our shows? I said, "I'm in California." And he said, "Well, couldn't you come over? You know, we'd love to see you. We'd love to meet you." And Eventually, I went over to the East Coast, and I I stayed about, um, I don't know, maybe two weeks, and um, and I, I, I went to a bunch of their shows. They asked me would I go out and introduce them, which I'd never done anything like that before in my life, and I thought, <laughs> boy, Michael must be smiling down on me now. Um, and uh, so a whole new experience has opened up for me in, in my stage of life. And uh, but I I wouldn't have stayed, you know, I wouldn't have kept going to their shows or started introducing them um, if I didn't think they were good. I mean, they are really good. Um, what I like about uh, Kick the NXS experience is it is an in excess experience. They're not the lead singer Corey is is certainly very easy on the eyes, um, <laughs> but he also has a really good voice. And what they do is, I mean, they yes, they don't try to be in excess, but they play the music and they do a great job, you know. And they're just all really really nice guys. They're just they love the music and um, they. They like doing it right, you know, and uh, so I, I just love that band. I really do. And uh, yes, yes. I'll be meeting them again on you know, well next week, actually. So yeah, and we're, I'm actually staying over there until mid December. So between appearances at some Barnes and Nobles, and um, I mean, I'll I'll be in um, Delaware, Pennsylvania. Let's see, Connecticut, uh, oh, even Indiana. Um, so I'll be at, at some Barnes and Nobles and signing books. And uh, so if anybody out there <laughs> are in these, uh, uh, just just go look at my uh, Tina Hutchins author page and the, the uh, dates are down there. Um, and yeah, so, and I, I just, and at the kick shows, they always set up a, table for me before and after the uh, show and I sign books and sell them actually there so yeah that's wonderful it's fun 
Yeah, yeah. I'm actually acquainted with um, Corey and uh, their drummer, Johnny. Johnny oh, D. Oh, okay. Yeah. I had actually yeah. lived in the area prior to moving to Florida, so um, I'm regretfully I have not seen them yet. I'm I'm hoping that they uh, that if I ever come up there to to visit again, I could catch one of their shows or or uh, if they ever venture to Florida, which they they haven't seemed to get past Georgia yeah. or Jacksonville yet. So. Yeah, they're trying to branch out. It's um. You know, it's it's kind of a, a tough road. You know, you've got to get yeah. promoters that have uh, full co- confidence in you. It takes a little bit, but they are so amazing. I, yeah, I, I'm glad you you know the band. It's um, I and would you agree with me? They don't, you know, they don't try to do in excess. They, um, they yeah, just agree. They're they're very they, authentic, but um, you know, they they also um. Get, they breathe fresh air into the songs, I think. And that's, that's right. And, and, you know, most of these um, uh, cover bands, they all, the, the, the front man seems to try to dress like Michael and so forth. Corey doesn't do that. He says, you know, I mean, he's good enough to look at, looking at him. <laughs> so, and he, does, he does. He has a great voice. And, um, you know, they all, they, they don't, because uh, I think, Sometimes cover bands try too hard to be just like the original, and they're not. They're not, and it's 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 annoying to me to watch people trying to do Michael's moves. I just can't. Right. I can't take that. Right, it, it is very frustrating to to see because yeah. they can't they can't pull it off <laughs> because there's no, only one Michael can't. Hutchins. Well, <laughs> Michael yeah, Hutchins can only look at you a certain <laughs> way or or move a certain way. Yeah, or sing a lyric and, and a certain way. <laughs> yeah, I I think mostly what we want is just to hear the music again. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I mean, that's the main thing. Oh, yeah. Also, play the music well. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, at this point, uh, your book is available. It is. It has sold out on Amazon. Um, yeah, but I, I believe that it is still available on, on Book Depository. Is that right? Oh, it is absolutely. It's it's available on book uh, depository and um, you know they're they're just waiting on shipments. Honestly, they they just didn't assume it was going to sell right away like that. You know, um, so they I think Alan and Unwin, the publisher, was surprised and uh, but there there there's more on the way. So there we go. <laughs> they'll they'll, um, they'll they'll certainly be available for Christmas and as I say I'm if you're on the east coast and any of these uh, quick tick shows or the these Barnes and Nobles and they're signing they've got the they've got the stock so yeah and you have an audio book on audible in Australia that has um, proven it's, to be successful um, do you plan on on bringing that to the United States or other countries it is here it's here. You just go to Audible. Yeah. Oh, it is here. You can okay. get it now. Yeah, yeah. You can get it on Audible now. Um, I I didn't think it was yet, but and I so I complained, and um, they said no. It's like, just go to Audible. We've got it up now. So uh, yeah, I did the. Um, 
I did the voice. Uh, they asked, you know, it's usually better if if the um, if the writer can do, if the author can do their own voice. Um, I I did it in L.A. Uh, late last year, and it's yeah, it's up on Audible. Oh, wonderful! Thank you for the clarification. That will be on my list. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and. Uh, you you got a lot of support from Richard Blade as well on on his Sirius XM uh, show and and he was a, a longtime friend of of Michael's too, so so that yes. was he he was wonderful Richard I mean I I thought you know how do I let people know um, you know it's coming it's now is the time and uh, uh, a friend said to me why don't you call Richard Blade and I called I was very I sent him no. I sent him an email. You know, I I get very nervous on the phone. Um, actually, when I've got to call somebody I, I don't really know that well, and uh, uh, he called me immediately. Said, "When is it? What can we do?" Right, we're starting next week. I mean, he just got in there, and uh, yeah, he was he was terrific with with NXS as they were moving up in the very early years on K Rock. He was fantastic, um, and uh, he really supports that 80s music. He's, he's a wonderful guy, and uh, we're lucky to have him on Sirius XM now. So, yes, okay. yes. <laughs> um, and also, um, you know, as far as, as the book is concerned, um, has were there any... Uh, was there any person or sources that reached out to you that that really surprised you, um, even recently? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, as I was writing it, actually almost getting to the end, um, an old friend of Michael's called me out of the blue or contacted me through um, my webpage to Michael. Um, and um, and he turned out to be just a wonderful source um, of information um, from of Michael as a child, and that's sort of a surprise in there. I was so thrilled, and in fact, I'll be seeing him. I'll be staying with him and his family in the next month or two. Um, oh, that's amazing! Was, yes, that's the that's yeah. the golden nugget. That's the golden yes. nugget at the end of the book it, that that really touched my heart. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, it, thank you. Yeah, and, and he's a great guy. And I, what a surprise! I mean, it never occurred to me uh, that somebody from so long ago would uh, just just out of the blue get in touch with me, and just when I was writing the book when I needed it so bad, you know, so yeah, um, yeah that's that's uh, uh, my, probably my favorite chapter <laughs> yeah well, I certainly appreciate the time that you spent with me um, regarding the book um, and uh, you know our, in closing, would, what would you like to share with the audience listening I just, you know, I just want you to go open your heart, read the book, and if you get a chance, go see Mystify. Um, 
because I, I just really want you to know the true Michael. This is why it was written, um, because I so often we have something in our heads of what from from photographs in in you know newspapers and so forth. We just think we know a person. But I think you'll be pleasantly surprised, especially even if you weren't a particularly large fan of Michael's. I think you'll get to like this guy. And where can people find where can people find information on on your book tour and and your book as well? If you okay uh, for my tour for the places I'll be uh, signing and so forth. Um, uh, if you go to Facebook. Tina Hutchins author. I have the um, all of all of the information up there. Um, or you could go to Kick the Excess Experience. They have my information there. Um, so, uh, and I'd I'd love to see you. Just come up and say hi. I'd love to see you. Shake your hand. Thank you for <laughs> loving Michael so much, giving him so much while he was here. And thank you so much for writing, Michael, my brother, Lost Boy of NXS, uh, because it it shines a light on him and puts a spotlight on traumatic brain injury and provides an honest and elegant story about him. I, I think uh, myself included and, and many of his fans will agree with that. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry. It was lovely talking with you today. Thank you, Tina, for uh, coming on Just Push Play, and thank you to all listening. I need-